Fleetway Incorporated is a reliable and speedy courier. They only employ the best ex-highwaymen and former pirates, so you know your precious cargo is in safe hands. With the region's largest stable of Pegasi, next day delivery is almost guaranteed. Extra charges apply for deliveries free of Pegasus dung. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And uh, with me in the studio today is, as always... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it's an absolute delight to be here. But Russ, there's a third person with us. We have got a special guest, yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh. All, all the way from America. Oh, goodness. Did you just fly <laughs> in, Mike? Your arms yeah. are very tired. Boy, are my arms tired. Yeah. It's a long, long way. Uh, so so we, we, we have... Shot. <laughs> we have uh, Mike Shea, who you may know as Sly Flourish. Or, oh. indeed, as the Lazy Dungeon Master. I, 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 I am perfectly happy with all three of those titles. Do you have a preference? No. Random, okay. r- random selection. Should we, should we just use a different one each time we talk to that you? That would be perfectly... I, I will, that, that, I will, that, that will, I'm willing to accept all three. That will happily ooh, confuse ooh. our listeners. Can right. we make a Except, new one? Um, like one thing is, when, whenever you refer to the Lazy Dungeon Master, there's about a three-second delay before I answer. Because I'm lazy. <laughs> Yes. Well, well, you, you could tell us all about what it's like to be a lazy dungeon master in a bit. <laughs> well, it's not a lot of work, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have one of your lazy dungeon master books. Excellent. I enjoyed it very, very much. Oh, um, such flattery. Right. Shall, shall, we, uh, shall we talk about what we did during the week? Have you done anything exciting this week, Peter? Uh, RPG related, of course. I'm sure you've done many, many exciting things, but more specifically. Oh, crikey. Now you're asking. Um, I won some elections. That was good. Southampton Guild role so, players for another glorious term. I stood on the simple but effective premise that if they didn't vote for me, then I'd burn it all down. Um, but if they voted for me and other people, then I would not be able to burn it down into the future. Uh, it's all part of this transition to democracy. I hope it's kind of overrated, <laughs> but I thought, I thought I'd give it a whirl. Um, let's see what else I'll be up to. I think that's about it, really. Yes. I'm planning, planning. I, I, I've been plotting and scheming, but I'm afraid all of that must remain under a veil, except for the fact that I'm quite looking forward to running my big open world game. <laughs> oh yes, your 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 West Marches thing. My West Marches style game. Oh, if only there was someone I could ask for advice about this. Over oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so right, um, okay, let's go. Okay, so I, I've been mainly um, recovering from UK Games Expo over the last week. Yes. Uh, Peter and I were both there, and it was quite a tiring experience. Uh, that's why last week's podcast was a little, um, shall we say, muted? <laughs> as, as, we, as we both sat there with glazed eyes saying, well, I should it, be I, in I, bed. I thought the matchsticks that were keeping my eyes open were helpful to the whole affair, <laughs> uh, but otherwise it might not have worked out nearly as well. Crikey. Yeah. Have uh, you been up to much in the last week, Mike? Uh, let's see. I've been running a Shadow of the Demon Lord game, and I had my penultimate Shadow of the Demon Lord uh, adventure last Wednesday. Ooh. And yeah, that's that's been interesting. I've got my final Shadow. coming up this uh, day after tomorrow. That's and, a long uh, trial, isn't it? 
But yeah, by I've, Rob I've Schwab. Never, I've never had the uh, had the chance to play that. I really, really do want to because people yeah. say so many good things about it. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. And I think what I like best is Rob's Rob's writing is just excellent. So I yeah. could just you know, I this is the first time I've actually run a game, even though I bought basically every Shadow of the Demon Lord product there is. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just I just love reading them. Um, so that, and I'm finishing up a Waterdeep Dragon Heist game on my Sunday group. So mm-hmm. I think I'm about two sessions away from the end of that, and then we're starting Salt Marsh. Excellent. Ah, yes. We're yeah, we're, we're, on this podcast. I, I'm sort of adapting Salt Marsh mm-hmm. into a different campaign that I'm running because uh, we, we, in the last few podcasts, we've been going through all the adventures in um, Salt Marsh, which is before the book came out. So we were right. grabbing the old dungeon magazines and talking through each of the original adventures. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been running the styes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been, I've, I've been inserting that into a campaign I'm running on Thursday nights, and by, I, I really think that that is by far the best adventure in that book. It's fantastic. Cool. I love it. I love it. Right. Shall we do the news? Sure. The news, you say? Okay. Yeah. It's unprecedented. The first bit of news is it's not quite RPG-related, but it's kind of RPG-adjacent, so I thought I'd drop it in there. And um, it's the, the Russo brothers who are responsible for a lot of that Avengers stuff that you've been hearing about over the last few months. Uh, they Avengers. are Avengers. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. No, no. Some small budget indie. Is that like an indie movie? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. I don't know what these cult films I hear about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But they are making a Magic the Gathering animated TV series for Netflix. Cool. <laughs> They're making a Magic the Gathering animated TV series for Netflix. Nah, the Russo nah, Brothers. That's what they are doing. Ah, what's the time mm-hmm. to be alive? Okay. I have never played Magic the Gathering in my life, so I'm probably the least informed person in the world to talk about this topic. It has a pretty rich story associated with it. I think it will do all right. What I what I'm hoping for is that it's a it's a test and a precursor for a Dungeons and Dragons animated series. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I think Critical Role kind of have that covered. Yeah, that's a good they? point. But I could yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take more. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, the space, the space. I have, yeah, a, I have a feeling a it'll place. it'll take a whole bunch of them before they get really solid. So let's. Did, get as did many you as see you can. the the trailer? Uh, not the trailer. The commercial. Yeah, the commercial. The last I couple did. of weeks for the for yep. the car. Yeah. That was uh, that was fantastic. Oh, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, that tr- that commercial was certainly better than any of the actual D and D films. <laughs> yeah, any of the movies. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah, worrying, but still, um, <laughs> it's just, harsh but fair. There's a little bit of bad news in the news. Oh, bad news! News. Uh, Clockwork Publishing. Yes. Um, who are responsible for Dark Conspiracy? Um, they're a German company, and they did uh, translations for Hollow Earth Expeditions, Deadlands Classic, uh, Monty Cook's Numenera, Modifies' um, okay. Action Cthulhu, and stuff like that. Yep. They have, um, unfortunately, just gone bankrupt. Hmm. Oh, damn. Which the timing is pretty bad, because their Kickstarter campaign for their Dark Conspiracy game literally just finished. Oh, oh no. It raised about 40 grand. And uh, they've just they've just announced their bankruptcy. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, that's not the fir- that's not the first first one in recent months either, because obviously there was John Wick, who mm-hmm. ended up mm-hmm. having to sell the rights to Seventh Sea to um, Chaosium in order to finish fulfilling the backer rewards, and that was mm. what the sec the second largest RPG <laughs> Kickstarter ever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
And Russell, like, you uh, and I, you have, you and I have had conversations about delivery through print on demand versus delivery mm. in in um, offset printing. And this is one of those examples where offset printing can can cause some problems. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. Although on the other hand, D and D's doing incredibly well. So yeah, it's, it's not all bad news. No, no. I mean, there's just this unprecedented. There are a lot of independent publishers that seem to be doing pretty well too. Yeah, yeah. There's, so, there's a lot so, more smaller publishers. Yeah, right? yeah, a lot more opportunity well, for people to sort of publish on their own. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting as well. It's things like um, game conventions mm-hmm. going up and up and up every single yep. year because yep. we were at UK Games Expo last week and uh, we got the uh, attendance figures through, and they were eighteen percent on last year. Yep. That actually matches. So one of one of my little metrics that I keep track of is um, mm. how fast the D and D hashtag is being used on Twitter. Yeah, and and it's doubling <laughs> about every eighteen months. You know, and has yeah. been has been for about the past four years. So there's a great big, you know, nonlinear curve going on there. Yeah. So there's definitely good news in the industry as well as bad news. Fortunately, right. oh, um, I mean, this puts UK Games Expo at position number three again. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it overtook Origins last year to the third place as the third largest tabletop gaming convention in the world. That's mm-hmm. ignoring all those comics conventions and video games ones and stuff like yeah, that because right. they talk these. Um, but um, so 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 the table at the moment is Gen Con, then Eschenspiel, and then UK Games Expo, followed by Origins Game Fair. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see if UK Games Expo can hang on to the lead for a second year running. It's Ooh, it, it's wow. awesome. My my wife and I were lamenting that we're not going to Origins this year. We we've mm. been going to Origins the past four years, but this year I mean, that's been getting bit bigger every year. It, too. it has, and now yeah. we were Ooh. able to sign up and get a hotel room, which is better than we can do at Gen Con. But yeah. we couldn't sign up for any games. All the games that we wanted to sign up oh. for were full. So we're like, well, oh. I guess you know we're going to bag our plans. So we bagged <laughs> we bagged our plans because we're like, I kind of want to do a bunch of games. I'm sure so, there's there's some pickup gaming. You there can there do is, but you're you're. I mean, Ooh. and and that might have worked out, but there's sort of a Ooh. gamble on you yeah. know paying for a flight and paying for a hotel room and everything and then getting out there and they're like you know having a bunch of games like i'm pretty sure i can get some games going here and not fly yeah. anywhere yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've never been to origins actually how would you compare origins to i mean obviously it's different size but yeah um, I, I uh, comparing it. it to gen con yeah origins oh, over the past four years um it was my favorite convention yeah. And the reason why is it felt as big as Gen Con without being as big as Gen Con. Yeah, that's kind of how I find UK Games Expo. It feels as big, but it's, yeah. it's know, got it's everything. Yeah. Size, it's got everything but... you want, and all the all the all the people I wanted to see were there. Um, the food is they have a they have a really nice uh, uh, food food market right across the street that is never. Mm. You know, like you're you're never sitting in line outside of a food truck for ten hours hoping to get a mm. bad burrito. You yeah, know, the, the, oh, the food is yeah. good and it's easy. To, there's actually seats you can sit in and eat, and that is a thing you don't generally get at Gen Con. Okay, then. Uh, so, uh, what else have we got in the news? Rocket Age. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember Rocket Age from a few years ago? It was I, I didn't, by... but I but I but I looked up on the Kickstarter. Oh, like, right. the Rocket Age five v one. So it was produced by Cubicle Seven back in 2013, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a uh, pulp retro future. You know, all that Flash Gordon-type stuff for... Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, What's his name with um, uh, the Mekon? Uh, yeah, yeah, what's the one with the Mekon? Dan Dare. Dan Dare. And all, Dan and all Dare. that sort of Eagle. stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was a, it was a standalone RPG back in 2013, and it was written by Ken Spencer, and mm-hmm. he's got the rights back to the game. Hmm. And what he's decided to do is to relaunch it under his new company, Why Not Games, as a D&D 5th edition game. Hmm. A D and D fifth yeah, edition, sure. or just using the fifth edition rule set, right? Yeah, that. 
Yeah, so it's, it's called it Rocket Age 5e, and he calls it a, a radium punk sci-fi RPG set in a 1938 that never was in a solar system that should have been. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, let's, let's do it. Fair play to him. It sounds really good fun to me. I really like the look of this. I don't know how well it will work with the 5e rule set, but the setting itself mm-hmm. I find oh, really yeah, good yeah. fun. Because you're talking, oh, great setting. You know, it's got uh, Martian ruins. It's got ray guns. It's got all those chrome rocket ships and stuff. There's jungles on Venus, just like in real life. I'm sure there's jungles yeah. on Venus. Oh, yeah. Life in Jupiter's clouds, all that sort of stuff. Uh, 17 races, mm-hmm. which is rather a lot. Um, they've got Europans, Venusians, Martians, Robomen and stuff. And uh, a whole slew of new classes. Plus a new psionic system for 5th edition. Hmm. Oh, marvellous, marvellous. So I think I'm probably going to back this just out of... I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to play it, but I think I'm going to back it out of curiosity at the very least. Absolutely. See what they've got to say. Because it, it, does, it does look fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks awesome. cool. Yeah. In the news, we have a new column from Jonathan Tweet. Yeah. Um, so Sorry. Jonathan Tweet, um, you may know from such hits as Ars Magica or D&D 3rd Edition, amongst mm. other things. Yeah, 13th Age. Uh, 13th Age, obviously, yeah, yeah. It's his current, his current yes. name, yeah. Um, so he's joined Jim Ward in writing columns for me over on EN World. Yeah. And Jim Ward's Jim Ward's columns have like gone down a storm. They're really, mm. really popular. Hmm. And they're really, they're really interesting, these sort of old anecdotes from, yeah. you know, back in the 70s and the early 80s of yeah. what's going on behind yeah. the scenes. The importance uh, of ordering dice in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, so I mean, Jim Ward's dice. latest one was on... <laughs> Jim Ward's latest one was on the the, the background shenanigans behind uh, deities and demigods, mm-hmm. oh, which was yeah. which is interesting to read. But but this this news item isn't Jim Ward or deities and demigods, though. Sadly, um, <laughs> but happily it is Jonathan yes. Tweet with his yes. brand new column. So yes. um, I've, I've already got uh, four of his columns in. I, I have to ask: Is Jonathan Tweet on Twitter? Yes. yes. Yep. Ah, he is on Twitter. Tweets, tweets, excellent. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long would that joke been percolating in your head before you were uh, about three seconds um, so, yeah. <laughs> right. sometimes you, you might want to refine it a little you bit. have to seize it seize it it's out there <laughs> release it into the world and watch as people shoot down <laughs> but anyway yes. anyway yes that, that, that digression is from... awful humour aside <laughs> uh, Jonathan it's tweets probably first... gold and you know it uh, is the prologue to third edition. It's the first in a whole series of articles. He's already he's already turned in four of them. Um, yeah. Future ones include um, the, the 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 background scenes behind the planning of the open gaming license, which is at Wizards of the Coast at the time, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, because I've heard a version of that from Ryan Dancy as well. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to sort of hear different viewpoints on how all that went down. Mm-hmm. Because not everyone at Wizards of the Coast agreed. On doing that at the time. Sure. Not everyone agrees now. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. It's done. Yep. Uh, that that is well and truly bolted. Can't take it uh, back. No. no. Uh, he's also got uh, an upcoming column on the origins of Ars Magica, mm-hmm. which is... I've never actually played Ars Magica. I've read it. I have it. And oh, okay. uh, I've gotten inspiration for it in my own um, game systems. Yes. I've never actually played it myself. I don't know if either of you two have. Yeah, mm, it's uh, no. always one of those that people have told me about. I said, "Oh, it's so amazing! You have to play it." And then nobody, nobody runs it. I almost got <laughs> yeah. to. I always, it's like it's like a unknown armies. I almost got to play unknown armies, 
And then I had like <laughs> six hours of traffic delays to get to a place I wanted to go to. And that stopped me actually playing it. So it's like, oh. Yeah, I think there's a very long, long tail of RPGs that get very rarely played. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Ars Massacre is kind of well known for its troop play. Mm. And mm. also is one of, the, if, I don't know if it was the first or probably is the first verb now in Magic System. Hmm. So you, I can't, I can't nice. remember. Uh, they, they use sort of fake Latin um, terminology, so I can't remember the exact terms they use, but you combine a verb with a noun to create a spell. And that's been used mm. uh, probably a half dozen times since Arch Magic. I mean, I've used it, no. I know that. <laughs> and uh, I know others have. But anyway, first column from Jonathan Tweet, and more to come each month. That's Very awesome. He's a, he's a neat guy. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to get these the, 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 the veterans of the industry to talk about the industry back then. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah. In, in, some, in some areas, we look at what's happening today as completely new and unique. And then there are aspects to it, though, that probably mirror the past pretty well. Exactly, yeah. And figuring out that mix of like what is completely different today versus what are the things that are remaining consistent, you know, from time to time. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, there's some big industry changing stuff that's happened since then, just in terms yeah. of the internet, uh, yeah, yeah. streaming, streaming, all this sort of streaming stuff. games, yeah, all that. Yeah, all, all that sort of stuff, which obviously they probably couldn't even imagine back yeah. in the 70s. There's, there's also this, you know, one of the things that I, I think about a lot, and, and at first it used to just kind of scare the hell out of me, and now I've just sort of come to grips with it, is how much of where we are was based on the decision of like a single person at some mm. point, right? So if we think yeah. back to, uh, you know, about six, if we just go back six years to the, the transition from fourth to D&D next, mm. you know, a, a, a president at Watsi said, you know what, go ahead and take two years to do a play test and not make any products that really sell. Yeah. And like yeah. one person made that decision and it completely changed everything for this industry, right? And, I wonder, oh, I wonder how many times that's happened over the years, though, over yeah. the last 40 years. It must I don't have know. Happened. Well, there's so? a number of decisions like Tunnels and Trolls came out at pretty much the same time as D&D. And probably one of the major barriers to people playing it has been the spell names are kind of goofy. Mm. And it doesn't fit the theme. Or, well, they kind, of, they kind of are. Like, yeah, I've had a look. I'm like, eh. But actually, it's it's now in its seventh edition, I think. And mm. it's actually looking quite good, to be fair. Yeah. So I wonder uh, what would happen if Peter Adkison hadn't decided to purchase TSR, for yeah, example. Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh. Like, who knows? Well, what, it would Maybe it would have just been a brand. Now? Yeah. Yeah, oh. right. Would it exist at all? Would the brand yeah. have died? Yeah, who could say? I mean, it's crazy. I suspect it would have died. No, someone else would have picked it up, I guess. Yeah, who knows? That's the at thing. Like, you know, the, the, yeah, we, we, we assume that there's this large inertia that goes behind something that a single person can't affect. But then we have these instances where single people have affected it. Yeah. You know, Lorraine Williams buying TSR. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, like yeah. a decision of like two people, right? And completely changed everything. So, yeah. And then you're wondering, like, what decisions are getting made now by people we don't even necessarily know yeah. that are affecting this whole But it's such a, such a yeah. small industry that one person right. can make yeah, right. big yeah. changes like yeah. that. It's yeah. really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I, I'm going to make a decision and see if it changes the industry. What decision <laughs> should I make? It's also it's the other thing I love about the next it, though. News item. I'm just wondering. That's a good, <laughs> yeah. good decision. All right. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. I got, I got quite an exciting news item this time. Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. I yes. am super, 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 super excited about this. Yeah, I'm trying to tame my excitement, right? Because yeah. there's still I mean, variance fair, in quality. But, but To be fair, we don't really know anything about it yet, other than it's been well, announced. 
there's a trailer and it's kind of based on the fifth edition. But we know set, who did it. We don't it, know yeah, how yeah. close to it it will be. Yeah, we know I, the studio. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but it's being made by Larian Games. Right. And they made yep. Divinity yep. and Divinity Original it's, Sin 2. Yeah. It's awesome. And mm-hmm. oh my god yeah yes yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Mike, mike's okay. nodding along which makes it very hard for listeners yep. at home to see but trust me the man's like doing his best like uh church laughs of the uh insurance has impersonation and it's like <laughs> I, I agree man. i agree no, I, I do i, I just this, finished playing original well. sin 2 and i loved it yeah <gasps> so good so they're the right studio yes. to do this so i take oh. it you've both seen the trailer for this yes yeah, it's, got, it's yeah. been hard to miss, really, hasn't it? It's been everywhere. Oh, yep. It's a bit gruesome. Yeah, it, not it, in a bad way. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with this. I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> it's like you got a flaming. Uh, so for yeah. the, I don't know. Can I, we talk it, about the trailer? We can talk about the trailer. Right? Yeah, of course you can talk about trailers. Yeah. What trailers are for? Yeah, so so basically you've got like you know starting off scene. There's like this uh, long alley which is basically heaped with dead bodies, and then limping mm. around the corner comes a guy, and you can see like he's got the old flaming fist bang in the middle of his uh tabard um starts coughing he's like he's like oh 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 okay yeah. blood not Co- coughs up some, teeth, some nice clumps of blood which is quite lovely and teeth don't forget the teeth that's mm-hmm. like, oh, teeth. Oh, their teeth as well super grim. Yeah, i was wondering what those were yeah they were uh, it's like, grim, but yeah. yeah yeah uh and then he goes under what i'm reliably informed is a process called ceremorphosis yeah mm. because blam my flare it's mm. like ah, my flare and then like yeah, yeah. blam you can see like uh, some lightning strikes in the air. You can see like there's a horde of mind flares that's like levitating on towards you. Blam! Yep. More lightning. There is a giant squid tentacle kraken thing in the sky. Uh, yeah, yes. Nautilus. And that's Nautilus about ship. it. Yeah, yeah. So we don't know any more than that, but that does look pretty amazing. I do. I Although, do have to ask, like, how how bad does Baldur's Gate have to be before people just stop going there? Right? Like, <laughs> Baldur's. It's already not a great town and well. they've had like the, the ball you know the ball lights showing up there all the time and now you're yeah. like wow everybody here turned into mind flayers maybe we should just stop going there but still Baldur's Gate sweet I can't yeah, wait excited. I'm excited about it, it. it Baldur's Gate 3 does, does promise to be pretty good it's going to be done by an excellent mm. studio as well um, like I say Larian uh, Games that's a real mark of quality they've also said it's not going to be that isometric thing that Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 are I'm no, sure but if you, if you play Divinity, I mean, assuming they're using the same engine oh. as Divinity Original Sin 2, and that engine yeah, works really sense. well for that kind of game. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. so uh, t- talk to me like someone who's never played Divinity Original Sin number two. Or it's, like, it was. it's like a modern-day oh. Baldur's Gate. But what, was, what, what does it look like, though? Is it, it's, it's not it's, an it's isometric? Top view. It's, so a, it's a top it, three it's quarter true. view. Yeah, but you can rotate it as well. Right, and you oh, can right. zoom so way in on your characters. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like uh, Neverwinter Nights was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that? Similar. I don't... Never yeah, Winter did Neverwinter really have a party-based system? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Did, okay, did. and the other one is, is um, Divinity Original Cern 2 is turn-based. Uh, I can't right. remember if it's a space bar... In, in is combat, it a space bar game? Based. Yeah, right. As soon as you go into combat, it kind of freezes, and then you select where you guys are going to go and where they're going to run around. And then the rest of the time, you you're running as a group. Points. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they okay. have like their version of initiative. It felt like uh, XCOM. Did you ever play XCOM? I did. I did. Yeah, oh, it feels, it feels a little bit like in. XCOM. Daka Daka. Yeah, yeah, I did like XCOM. Yeah, Trouble well, World. I have new aliens and shoot them. One hundred percent going to be playing this. Although oh, I'm yeah. still going to get through that Kingmaker. Yeah, I still yeah. haven't had the time. Yeah, I've never well, I really like, like it. Kingmaker really is Baldur's Gate one and two ex- exactly, hmm. but using Pathfinder rather than. Um, Mm-hmm. Other than D and D Second Edition, uh, but that, I, re- I really like it. But I just haven't had the time to play it. I've mm. got a little way into it so far. 
Mm-hmm. But still, anyway, more news. Yes, more news. Have either of you heard of Harper's Tale? No. No. Okay, so this is a charity, uh, a charity thing for uh, friends of kids with cancer, and okay. it's a series of ten link D and D adventures. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be on Kickstarter uh, in September. So it's quite some way off, but they're starting this sort of pre pre hype early. And it's a, as I said, it's a series of, of ten linked adventures uh, based on an outline at Harper, which is the uh, the daughter of uh, one of the authors who was oh. diagnosed with uh, leukemia back in February. Mm. So the adventure is based on an outline that Harper and her father wrote together after coming home from the hospital. Uh, and it takes the party from first to tenth level as you uh, thwart the machinations of the evil druid Ethor. Hmm. So that is coming in September, and that is something I'm probably going to talk about more as as we go. Because you know, it's, why why wouldn't you talk about things that benefit friends of kids with cancer? Sure. Oh, exactly. Yeah, uh, definitely worthy worthy subject. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm hoping I'm hoping we can get someone on the on the podcast to talk about it as well, which should be which should be kind of fun. Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, yes, there we go. That's that's where I've vaguely heard of it from. I just couldn't place it. No, that'd be great. We should have. I think we've. I think we've. I think we've actually mentioned it before, briefly. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't recall off the top of my head. Yes. Uh, so, so, so this next news item you're going to like, Peter, because I yes. know that you are a fan of Richard A. Nack's sequel to The Legend of Humor, Cast the Minotaur. <laughs> Here's a facial expression. <laughs> you haven't actually read Legend of Humor, but you have read its sequel. I, I, I think I have read Legend of Humor. I didn't find it as good, but Casamara at all. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Is Richard Anak so, uh, writing more? Or is so this related? The author, Richard Anak, has a novel series yes. called Rex Draconis. Ooh, which, Dragons, if you read nice. the descriptions, it really is a kind of love letter to Dragonlance. It's mm-hmm. very, I mean, I've not read the books, but I've read about the books, and it just screams Dragonlance at me. Mm. Marvellous, marvellous. Uh, yeah. so, so last year there was a Kickstarter for the Rex Draconis RPG, uh, yeah. which was going to be powered by uh, uh, D&D 5th Edition, based on Richard A. Nack's, uh series, but written by, uh, written by a couple of other people. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was on the Guess the Kickstarter game. Yeah, I remember. Probably, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, there's a, there's a free download you can now get. Mm-hmm. So it's not very big. It's only about 15 pages long, and it's just um, some of the NPCs, uh, monsters, mm-hmm. and magic items from Extra Connors. Nice. Uh, nice. You can grab it over on Drive Through RPG, and I, I've downloaded it and glanced through it. And basically, yeah, it's 15 pages of stat blocks, and I think one page of magic items. So this is it's a, it's a very brief kind of intro, and there's no setting fluff in there or anything. But oh. it's worth my appetite enough, and I kind of wish I backed that stick to that Kickstarter now. Yeah, I like oh. the art a lot. Yeah, Ooh, definitely. So I'm gonna, I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna have to wait until that hits the stores before I can get that. Now I've got a little bit of self-serving news to announce. Oh yes, yes. Uh, a touch more class Kickstarter is oh. launching next week. Hooray! So I'm gonna be going head to head with you, Mike. Kickstarter. No, I, I have those couple <laughs> of weeks ahead of you. <laughs> so when all of the buyers, when all of the backers just flood from my Kickstarter and go to yours, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure that's how it work. At least, at least I'm where okay. I'm at. You'll, you'll be in the middle. You'll be in the middle in that quiet. I'm already. In, I'm already in the trough. Oh, oh you're in there already. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it's fine. It's fine. You, you, they'll be able to go straight from playing like 
you'll be able to play Grendel Root using all the classes from a Tetris yes, class. It's absolutely. going to be glorious. They are yes. fully compatible. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, being, uh, being they're both, they're both uh, first edition. So, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. 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 It's all first edition. It'll be fine. Yeah. Cross compatibility. So, so we're launching next Tuesday, June the 18th, which, um, which uh, let's think, when this podcast goes out, it will be Wednesday. So it'll be under a week away when this podcast goes out. Yes. Uh, at 6 p.m. UK time. Mm-hmm. Or uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, or 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific. I always look at these uh, American time zones, and I have to think to work out what they are. Pacific Daylight Time. That's right, isn't it? PDT. Yes. Yeah. Uh, something like that. I, I, yeah, sure. Why not? I, I'm still what, on what PST. What time would it be? <laughs> see, what you have standard. to do is you have to. What's make, PST? You, you have to get it so whatever time you're releasing it, it's like 2 a.m. Where wizards are just because, like vengeance. No, because then I sell less books, Peter, and that's a bad ah. idea. Ah. <laughs> How can we have petty revenge if we can't if we're going to be constrained by cost. things like selling more books? Movies with me on, yeah. So yeah, that was a touch of class next Tuesday, and um, quite excited, dreading it a little bit because I hate running Kickstarters because it's such a, especially that trough that you're in at the moment. Um, yep. Yep. Mike is, uh, I don't like that bit at all. Yeah. So are you doing it the same way you did the last one where the book is the book is done and you're going to release it as soon yeah, as the Kickstarter yeah. is over? Yeah, we do that every single time. That worked well for you? It does. I mean, you lose you lose money because you don't have all the stretch goals. Mm-hmm. And you go into it knowing that's going to happen. And right. people will be, you know, begging you for stretch goals all the way through. And you've got to stay firm and say, no, mm-hmm. um, because we're going to fulfill this Kickstarter straight away and right. move on to other things. Right. And in a year's time, I don't want to be looking back at this Kickstarter and still fulfilling it. Right. <laughs> you know, and you know, some people are, you know, do that and they're happy to do that, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not. So. And how I long is your I Kickstarter bet. running? Uh, 30 days, 31 gotcha. days, one of those two things, 32 days, about that, mm-hmm. about a month. Yeah. Yeah. Like what, we try, what we always try to do is make it just over a month so that uh, everybody's payday falls in the period. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, I should have thought of that. Thank yeah. you. I think, I think, I think well, 32 well, well, yeah, days is not the Kickstarter master that wrestles. And, yeah, no, no, no I am not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing, of course, is you always start on a Tuesday. Uh, always I, never start, start. I started never Monday start. night. Well, <laughs> so it's close enough. As long as you didn't start on a weekend. The number no, of people I see starting I'm on a weekend. I'm not starting on a weekend or ending on a weekend. And I didn't end on July. I didn't end on July 4th. It's just, oh, don't do that. But still. Uh, we're going to have Mike Myler on next week, actually, who is... Ah. Uh, who From is EN5 uh, either. Yes, who is uh, very, very heavily involved in, uh, in this book. So he's going to be talking all about it. So you can talk about it more next week. Are you, are you familiar with the Kickstarter game? Mike. The Kickstarter game? Yeah. Am I, no. not, am I not playing it right now, or is this something else? <laughs> no, this is such fun, or not fun, depending on how you define oh. fun. It's one of those, it's, it's fun either fun or friends. it's not fun. So basically, we actually stopped doing it about two or three weeks ago, because we've been doing it for a year, and Peter was getting a little bored of it. Well, it, it just depends. It's like, as I say, it's more fun if there's other people playing as well. If it's just me, it's like, huh. Okay, well, I'll, I'll explain yeah. the game to Mike, and we'll let him decide whether he wants to play it well, or not. Maybe if you not, tell right. him then. Don't explain it to him. Just tell him the name, and then he'll understand. Okay. So the the, the name of the Kickstarter, uh, the name of the game is our favorite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Your favorite game in the whole world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. So I read out the name okay. of a Kickstarter. Yes. And then you have to guess what it is, literally from just the name. Okay. No other information. And then I assign a highly scientific 
score. All right. And so whoever gets the highest I'm in. wins the win. I love it. You in? You want to do it? Oh, it's, it's fun. All right, then. Huh. Right. One last it, time. One last is this time. any Kickstarter or any RPG-related Kickstarter? It'll be RPG-related. RPG yeah. It might not necessarily be it's an not, RPG It's game. not like the best knife in the world. <laughs> no, no. No. All right, then. Who wants to go? Let's do two each, shall we? I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Like You'll that. go first, then. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, then, then Mike can see how it works. Okay, then, yes. Peter. Are you ready? Are you ready? No. To play your least favourite game in all the world. <laughs> it's not my least favourite game in all the world. Um, what is your least favourite game Monopoly. in all the world? We could, we could do Monopoly is pretty... Yeah. That's, that's probably worse, yeah. Yeah, that's not a good Longer. game. Talisman okay. I'm not a big fan of, I'll be honest. Anyway, yes, anyway, get on with it. <laughs> all right, are you ready? Yes, let's do it. Ooh. Okay. Hardwired Island. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Hardwired Island. Hardwired Island. Okay. I think this is a an adventure. Um and hopefully it it's it's likely for fifth edition, but I'm hoping it's going to be for Shadowrun. Um where you have like an island that they are going to which in the sort of island of Do- Dr. Moreau fashion is full of like um terrifying um genetically enhanced monsters uh, but because it's like got the shadow and thing going on they're all actually chromed up terrifying genetically enhanced killing machines <laughs> and you're going around exploring that cyberpunk uh, sort of jurassic park hmm. which is my poker face so you're, 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 you're really right. good at this game mike you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. that's not that's not bad actually. i was just summarizing <laughs> what you were coming up with i loved it oh, yeah. okay. i'll give you six point three two Wow. Out of 12. For that. <laughs> That's a, a thousand point scale? <laughs> that, is, that is that. You are scientific. Uh, we're very accurate. Right. We have a spreadsheet and everything. <laughs> uh, so what this is, is, it's not for fifth edition, but that's basically the only thing you've got wrong there. So oh, it's, okay. a, it's, a, it's an original system. Oh, it's okay. a retro future cyberpunk tabletop <laughs> RPG. And so that, so you've got, your, you've got your, your shadow run in there. Uh, it's inspired by 90s anime. So this is things like Ghost in the Shell, Police okay. Snorts, Bubblegum Crisis, Cowboy Bebop, none of which I've seen. Okay. Uh, the island isn't an island, it's a space station. Oh. Okay. So it's slightly, slightly misleading there. So I'm going to give you an extra point for that. So 7.3. Oh, wow, a whole point. A whole point, yeah. The rest is just clearly feeling generous today. Oh, I am feeling very, very. It's better than taking them up to like six point three three. Well, now you've said that, that's what we're going to do. Six point three three. Oh man, oh, sorry. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> uh, so this is a D six based system using, uh, they say, a mix of old school and new school mechanics. So it's supposed to feel like it was made in the nineties, but updated for modern play. Mm, interesting. Interesting indeed. Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's now Mike's turn to uh, guess a Kickstarter. Yes. All right. Go, Mike. We believe in you. All right, then. You can do it. What is... Are you ready, Mike? I'm ready. What is yeah. Arabian Fights? Arabian Fights? Arabian Fights. Uh, I'm going to go with this is a 5e compatible RPG, because my mm-hmm. odds go up probably significantly just by saying that. Just by saying 5e every Yeah, it time. didn't work for Pete, but it'll, it'll work for me. Like, what are the odds that we have two that are not 5e, right? They're not good. So I'm just going to go with statistics there. Uh, and I'm going to say it is a 
a campaign setting or like a lightweight campaign setting set uh, in the Middle East and with a with a Middle East flair uh, going on there. Um, what was the old like Al Qadim? Like it's somebody who liked Al Qadim and wants to bring that to Five E. Hmm. Uh, pretty close. Pretty close. I think you've definitely got nine point two out of fourteen. Wow. Right? Woohoo. Nine, pretty good score. Pretty nine, good score. Nine point two. Nine point two out of fourteen. Oh, out of fourteen. Out of fourteen, yeah, man, a fourteen point scale. Hang on, I gotta do. <laughs> I gotta figure out what that actually is. <laughs> Alternatively, you can swap that out for a B minus. Like, let's see. Here we got nine point two divided by fourteen. Yeah, it's like a sixty-five. All right. That, that, that is a bit that's, harsh. That's, actually, that's like my were, high school you, and college you career. Well, that because because it is in fact for fifth edition. Ah, yes. see, and Pathfinder. Uh, it's oh. not a setting, but it is an adventure. Okay. It's a modular oh. sandbox adventure. Uh, that's, a cam- that's a campaign uh, setting. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sort of. Like, <laughs> they say adventure. It says adventure right there. <laughs> 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 they what they know? <laughs> oh, sandbox yeah. modular campaign <laughs> adventure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it says your players have just survived a terrible crash in the middle of a mysterious desert uh, stripped of belongings and points of reference they see one distant spot against the horizon with miles of glowing desert dunes in the way hmm. so, not so nothing about Alcadine <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a desert <laughs> it's a desert yeah right. and it says Arabian in the, uh, in the title hey I got yeah, 5e well, there you go. You got 5e. You did get 5e. <laughs> Why is it really okay, so, uh, just, just so, so, okay. One yes. more each, then. One more each. Yes. Okay. All right, then. You're, you're, you're going to love this one. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> what is... <laughs> this is going to be a good one. It's the anticipation is building. Uh, it's just... <laughs> This might not be the easiest one in the way, just from, just from the title. Oh, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> All right, are you ready? What <laughs> is? I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> There's many words you can't say, Russ. Just take a pun. Uh, <laughs> what is? What is? Mork Bork. <laughs> Mork Bork. M-O-R-K. B-O-R-K. B-O-R-G. Mork Borg. Oh, a Mork Borg. Mork Borg. Spelt like oh. Borg from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But I'll give oh, you a clue, but... it's not Borg from Star Trek. Oh, well, that ruins my first guess, which is obviously... <laughs> yeah, don't, go, don't go with 5e. Of, of Mork and Mindy meets... Um... Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Mork and Mindy meets the Borg. It turns out that Mork yeah. Morgan was actually like a pre-running uh, scout for a terrible Borg invasion. So we'll probably rule out Star Trek at this point. Uh, Mokborg, it sounds like a city setting, it sounds like it's a place, you know, like Mokborg. Welcome to Mokborg. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for orcs. Always, always I'm going to give you another clue. Sentence. Over oh. the O in Mork, they've got those two, those two <laughs> little umlaut. dots. An umlaut. Yeah. Yes. Is that an umlaut? Mokborg. Is, is it an umlaut the two dots, or is it the little wavy line? That might be the wavy line, I don't know. I can't keep That's track. There's two, two dots, anyway, whatever it is. Over um, the Mork. Yeah. But the Borg does not have two little dots. Just the uh, Mork. An umlaut is the two little dots. Um, okay. An umlaut uh, over the Mork. 
Oh, we need a musical sting at this point. Um, okay, so let's see. Uh, Morkborg. Um, I think it's... Well, if, you, if you're throwing umlauts, then you're basically saying, hey, guess what, guys? We're going to Northern Europe. So I think it is um, an adventure set in... Uh, it's like a city, and it's like sort of a campaign setting. So you've got Morkborg, and it's like where the adventurers come and gather... Um, somewhere set off in some sort of pine-filled forest place, and you've got all sorts of um, exciting things, uh, including probably hamlets and stuff. Um, it might even be something to do with Simba Room. Uh, probably not, but there you go. How about that? Hmm. Not great. Do you need more? Do you need more? Not great. Not great. Um, I think I'm going to have to give you 62 points out of 320 for that. Okay. Well, it seems like a solid effort. Yeah. So this is, I mean, I'd be amazed if you got That's not good, Pete. Sixty-two divided by three twenty. Just, just take the sixty-two, and it'll. Yeah. If you just take the sixty-two, but that's nineteen (laughs) percent. I don't think you. Ah, Mike, Mike, your experience in this game has been show. (laughs) It's okay. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So this is a. uh, I never would have gotten this. This is blackened art punk. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's got really great art. Blackened art. Blackened punk. art punk. I see. Truly, Peter's face freezes. Truly, what a time to be alive, where you can just take any random noun and affix punk to it. <laughs> put the word punk and on. Then, and then I can blame. Ah, we've created a new genre. Tell me, tell me uh, about this art punk. I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's probably it's probably seventy percent attitude. <laughs> so it describes itself and as a doom, like a doom metal album of a game. Mm-hmm. It's Swedish. It's yeah, doing well. So Northern Europe. Uh, yeah. It's a uh, it's a product of the OSR, and okay, it's yeah. uh, very art heavy. It says uh, it features ill fated bastards seeking redemption, forgiveness, or just mm-hmm. the last remaining riches of a world that is plunging ever faster to its inevitable ruin. Okay. Does it say anything else? Uh, oh, that's yeah, pretty much it. It's thing. kind of very Gygaxian, I think. Okay. In, uh, in, but with a lot more sort of heavy metal art involved. It's very it's art heavy. I don't know how to describe this to you. I'm not very good at this. Pretty okay. metal. Uh, well, they, th- does it have like an, an unnecessary amount of lightning and skulls involved on the front cover? Yes, absolutely. In fact, the, the Kickstarter has animated lightning. Yeah, and rain. Yeah, rain, rain. And rain and lightning yeah. and weird-looking cloaked figures. Yes. Yeah. And like a really sad-looking undead guy <laughs> yeah, with a lot of static. Okay. And a font, if you fell on it, you would hurt yourself really badly. Right. Mike, you ready? I'm ready. What is Dark Trails? Dark Trails is a game that uh, the creator fell in love with Darkest Dungeon and wanted to bring a role-playing game experience. It is a 5e-compatible role-playing adventure campaign setting, a sandbox adventure uh, based uh, loosely on uh, uh, dark fantasy. Hmm. Interesting. That's a good guess. (laughs) 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 Unfortunately, you've just scored minus a thousand points out of five. Wow! 
Wow. It's going to get it wrong. Minus a go big or go thousand. home. Because that. it's really not that yeah, at all. Oh. At all. So this is a standalone Weird West RPG. Oh. Yeah, it's minus uh, 220,000 percent. <laughs> It's not, it's nine, not the best one, but Peter, looks really good if it's, any com- if it's any comfort, Peter has done worse than that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's I think my practice was what? Minus Why? one million. Why yes, did you get minus million. a million points one time? That's when you Let's get go. a brilliant idea and you go and develop it and it's just the wrong direction. Uh, so okay. this is uses, uses the Dungeon Crawl Classic system. Oh, wasn't. Oh, yeah, I same. didn't even get the 5e part right. You didn't even get the 5e part. You didn't get anything right, unfortunately. <laughs> what, what was the part? Nothing at all. <laughs> Dark what? Oh. It's, a, it's, a, it's a harsh game. This it's a yeah, right. Yeah. What was it called uh, again? Uh, Dark Trails, uh. Weird West, uh, using Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um, oh, there's yeah. eleven unique classes with yep. names like the uh, Calavera, the Bedlamite, mm. and the Sin Eater. Uh, there's like okay. 400 pages of material. Oh, six days to go on that one. So by the time it's come out, then you best get in. Otherwise, if you're not in by, uh, what's it, Saturday, what's the date this Saturday, Saturday 10th, then you won't be able to get in. But fully funded and ready to go. So, yeah. Okay. Exciting well, stuff. Uh, would you like to just uh, quickly hear some of the Kickstarters you could have been asked but weren't? Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> the Black Death D20. The Black Death D20. Mm. Is that like where you roll a D20 and if it rolls a natural one, it releases a flea with um, <laughs> the bubonic, bubonic yeah. plague. So leave that about you. It is, it is not that. Boom. It is, in fact, a black D20 with a skull on either the 20 or the 1. I'm not sure which. Probably the 1, I hope. Maybe the 20. Okay. We also have Hearts of Wu Lin, which is oh. a tabletop game of That's... Wuxia melodrama. Wuxia. Wuxia means Wuxia. flying people. Sorry. Yes. Uh, that's uh, flying by... people. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's like uh, the nineteen, yeah. like the uh, Hong Kong action movies. Yeah, uh, like yeah, uh, Crouching like... Tiger. Yeah, okay. Crouching Tiger, Hendra. Okay, that's no, what no, I've seen. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Powered by that's. But I was just waiting to ask me that one because I actually know that one. That's uh, yeah. Powered, Powered by, by the apocalypse. apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There was a friend, uh, friend Memento Mori. Oh, Memento right. Mori was a D and D fifth edition Victorian Gothic campaign setting. Uh, there was the deal live action role playing game. What happens when you merge poker with live action role playing? Well, you just who knows? Poker. I don't know. You'll find out. <laughs> Basically, like live action role playing poker. Yep. Well, this is exciting. And, and finally, there was the dark eye magic of Aventuria. Oh, that yeah. would be a new, supplement new for the dark eye German yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. Nice. Okay. But those are things you could have been asked but weren't. So, you advance towards the cavern. As you get closer, you can see that this is no ordinary cavern. Around the outside of the cave are carvings, skulls and snakes interwoven with a strange and unsettling script that your eyes will not settle on, but seems to warp and waver as you look directly at it, sending feelings of uncertainty and fear through you, thoughts of your own impending mortality and your inescapable doom. So... Sort of a chthonic vibe, yes? Um, cave-like, yeah. Perhaps even uh, Cthulhu-esque. Sort of a dread cyclopean portal is what I'm hearing. Um, it's very large, yes. Bit of a 
It's a tomb-like look, is what I'm trying to get at, yeah? Uh, yeah, yes, it's a tomb-like look. You can see that the entrance has been carved from the living bones of the very Earth itself, as the mountainside towers above you. Thousands of tons of solid granite, ready to bear down upon you, crushing you like a bug. Mm, mm, okay, so it might just be a fur spell or something. Uh, I'll try to spell magic. Uh, no, there's no magical effect here. It's just really dark and foreboding. Right, right. It's got a sort of a two of them unspeakable evil lies buried here thing going on, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. Mm. So we, we, we passed the mining company about an hour back or so, didn't we? Uh, yes, they were the ones that told you of Dead Man's Cave and how none who entered lived to tell the tale. They begged you to look into the matter, lest their very immortal souls were imperiled. Yes, yes. So we'll, uh, we'll just snip back. Dwarves, you said? Uh, yes. Uh, got some spare blasting powder, do they? Um, uh, roll persuasion. Okay, that's, uh, that's, uh, 25. Uh, yeah, they have a barrel, a small barrel of the stuff, which they let you have for, uh, 400 gold pieces. 400? Uh, yeah. Bargain. We'll have that. And they can throw in some fuses and stuff, yeah? Uh, yeah, fine. So we head back to the cave mouth. Big mountain above it, you said. Thousands of tons of living rock, blah, 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 ready to fall down and crush us? Yes. Great. We'll drill some holes about three or four foot, foot in. Use as much of the cake of blasting powder as we can. Okay. And then we'll blow it all up. What? We'll blow it all up. It sounds really dangerous going in there. Imperils one's immortal soul, you said. Uh, yes... But... Inescapable doom, you said. Impending mortality, you said. Far too dangerous. Not going in there. Um... Uh, so what do you need? Uh, proficiency mining plus int? I guess I might have penalties on that, but there's limits, you know. Hey, another 20! I know it doesn't crit, but that's still a 22. Does that do it? Blow up the entrance and seal this tomb of ultimate evil thing behind half a mountain of granite? Uh, yeah... Marvellous. Right, what's next on the agenda? I think there was that halfling pie-eating contest next Valley Over, wasn't there? Can't be trusting those halflings. Shifty little beggars. Right then, let's, let's, let's talk about Mike, shall we? Uh, my favourite topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what we like to hear. Yes, yeah. oh, yes. I've been doing some reading. Uh-oh. Have you now? I know, I know. It's like a... Uh, I mean, basically, because obviously Mike, also best known, has a sly flourish and a lazy DM. Um, so I took the opportunity to have a look through your stuff. Very, very focused on ways to improve your improvising. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, again, you did, what's it, 2012, was it? The Lazy Dungeon Master, and then 20. 16 Return of the Lazy yep. Dungeon Master. That sounds about right. Yeah, tw- yeah I think yeah. the Kickstarter was in 2016. It got delivered in 2017. No, it was later oh. than that. Because it was my last oh, one. So I think it was last year sometime. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Uh, well, so, what, what would you, how would you describe the sort of basic ethos behind a Lazy Dungeon Master? Uh, yeah. the, the, the core philosophy is that it is possible that you can mm-hmm. have a better game by running, by pre- preparing less. Right. Um, not not to zero though. 
<laughs> so Damn, I'm out. <laughs> so, well, no, on the other hand, if it is zero and mingle. your games are great, you have then why listen to me? Um, but yeah, the, the 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 original one, the original idea behind it was uh, that we are all that many people are busy and we don't have the time to prepare for role playing games like we did when we were kids, yeah. and um, that inhibits a lot of people from being able to play at all. So mm. if there was a if there was one possible path that would help people prepare a three or four hour game in a lot mm. less time, then that would make it easier for people to be able to run D&D games. So yeah. that, that, so was, the, that was the 15 to 30 minutes sort of chance. Yeah, yeah, 30 minutes probably. And it depends. Mm. It, it, it obviously depends and, and different people are going to, I had one person where they're like, Oh, my, my prep time is so much better now. It's only two hours a game. And you're like, Hmm, <laughs> you know, mine was never two hours a game. No, um, no. I, I, you said, you said earlier, you, you were like, you, you were quite into the statistics and so forth. Uh, yep. You're mentioning them. And that is one of the things I really liked about your books that you've actually been doing. Yeah, so I I don't, I don't, I really wanted to avoid like what's Mike Shea's big idea, right? Because Mm -hmm. we all have good ideas and we're all, many, many people are experienced. So I I really tried to get out of my own head and talk to a lot of people and interview a lot of people that I knew. And then I ran a couple of surveys. I ran one back when I did the original Lazy Dungeon Master and ran a new survey for Return. And then I've been doing a bunch of polls on Facebook and Twitter to try to gauge like where people generally are. Mm. Uh, And, and, you know, with, with the idea that like, if a lot of people tend to like an idea that probably that idea isn't completely terrible. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, so yeah, that's just that's mostly just to try to get out of my own head. And with return, when I wrote that, I re- I spent probably a month just reading every book I could get my hands on, and every oh. article and every you know many many videos about how people are running their RPGs to kind of mm-hmm. throw them all up on the wall and then started figure out what the vectors are between them all and then focus on mm-hmm. those vectors. So. Get, get the connections and the lessons that can be transferred from one yeah, RPG right. to another. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, like um, I noticed Apocalypse World and Dungeon World, yeah. things yep. that you've been drawing quite heavily on. And yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. And that, again, that was one where, like, I wasn't the one who figured that out, right? Like, wow, hmm. this, 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 you know, this the, the Apocalypse World idea of fronts, um, mm, you know, yes. that, that, I wasn't the first one to be like, wow, this works really well for D&D. Like, I think what caught my mm. attention is when Mike Merle said, wow, this works really well yeah. for D&D. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's pretty interesting when the lead the lead developer of a brand new RPG is saying, you know, that other RPG is doing it really well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so how, how would we describe, what's the best way to describe fronts, would you say? Uh, a, a front is sort of a big moving object in an RPG. It's, it's oftentimes a villain, but sometimes yes. it could be an environment, like a piece of the environment. So like uh, yeah, in the like Shadow of the Demon front, Lord, isn't it? it's like a weather front. Yeah. And it's kind of mm. rolling in and it mm. has a purpose. And it has yeah. a direction that it is taking. And then yes. it has these steps that are noticeable to the characters of it making its way there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you, you know, if you kind of define it by here's this thing mm-hmm. and what it wants, here's its goal that it's trying to get to. And then here are three mm-hmm. things you'll notice as it's on its way to, to the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they can be pretty small. Portents, uh, yeah. Then they're called the grim portents in, in Apocalypse World. And I think in Dungeon, I think they're called that the same in Dungeon World and Apocalypse oh, World. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was um, just saying grim portents, but that's what they are. So. That's what they're actually called, they're grim portents. Yeah. They'd be really good at the guest Kickstarter game, wouldn't they? <laughs> you would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder yeah. where that was a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So, what, what would you say is Mike Shea's top tip then? Oh, boy. For the aspiring lazy dungeon master. What's oh. your top tip? Your number one tip? Uh, Define, define I, secrets and clues. 
I'll go okay. with that. The, mm. the concept of secrets and clues is the whole reason that I wrote a new book instead of sticking yeah. with the original Lazy Dungeon Master. And that's because it, I sort of recognized this after I wrote that book. And, and yeah. I was like, this really... And to me, the idea is if you can break your game down into about 10 uh, secrets that your characters can discover somehow during the game mm -hmm. that helps you make sure that whatever you're building is actually useful to the characters... Uh, and it gives you constant, continual things that they can figure out while they're while they're running. And to me, that's sort of the key of the exploration component. Like, what do when when a character goes up to an old cracked wall covered in an mm. ancient mosaic, and they hold their torchlight up to it, and they see it? What do they see, and what do they learn? Right. Mm -hmm. um, but one, so they're short. They're like about the size of a tweet. They're like one sentence long, and yeah. and they're and you don't define where they're going to show up. So you don't say like this yeah. is something this character knows. You just say here's the secret on its own. During the game, I'll figure out where they learn it, and that's it's, the that's the it's an ability to prepare to improvise. Yeah, um, that yeah. I think is really valuable. So I, I use so them can, all so the time. So you can just introduce it at any moment. Whenever exactly. You when it, yeah, your, yeah. Your, your sword could tell you, or yeah. you could learn it in a rumor in a bar, or you could see yeah. it on the side of a wall. Like you don't know where they're going to go. So it works really well for mysteries, where yeah. you know, like you don't know how the characters are going to come to the end of a mystery. But mm. if you know what the clues are, and you you know you don't you don't have to like force feed them like oh well you never went and talked to the guy with the barking dog so you never found out that the dog didn't bark when the guy showed up yeah. you know you, you <laughs> yeah. can instead you know say but that that's kind of a what I, I consider a, a big uh, adventure mystery design sin in a way mm -hmm. putting a mm. clue. Yeah. in a place where the yeah. players yeah. have to have to do this particular thing. And if they don't do this particular thing, yeah, the GM's right. left sitting there thinking, right, I now have to get that information right. to the players oh. some other way. Right. Yeah, right. like uh, from Gumshoe, where you have to like have three different ways forwards, three different ways to find clues. Yeah. Well, obviously, thing. yeah, because I mean, yeah. Gumshoe uses the philosophy that um, the players will find the clues. Mm -hmm. because, They'll forward, sort of because otherwise the game stops. Right. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it... it, 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 it don't it's make them roll for things which yeah. are show stoppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's like you don't have the front door to your dungeon. You don't have that unopenable. Failure check and guess you go yeah, home. Yeah, with a DC right. that's too high for them to get into because that just stops your adventure dead, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Right. And it's the same with the clues. They're like doorways in a way. Yeah. Mm. Doorways. Doorways to the plot. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I particularly like uh, things like. Creating a strong start, having the media. Yeah, that, 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 was, that, was a good, that, was, that might be number two. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it, that could have been number one. Yeah, um, uh, I, I like that Raymond Chandler quote: uh, "When in doubt, have a man come through the door with a gun in yeah, his hand." With a gun in his hand. Yeah. Honest, that's that, that's like, something that's what, always been dear to my heart for a long time now. Sure, <laughs> sure. And that's that's probably that's a I, you know that's probably I don't know I don't know if I could pick which one of those if I if I could only do one. I'd be really hosed, but mm. both of those are really like I think with just those two, you can pretty much run a game. You yeah, know, yeah. and then there's some other there's some other ones that would really help. Like if you have no idea where things are going to take place, that could be bad. Yeah, um, yeah. but I, you know, I, I, I was wondering how you deal with like the more traditional role player uh, because you've mm -hmm. got like you're very you're very big on the improvised and the having the players as co-creators, which personally really gels with my style. Like I haven't mm -hmm. actually read your books before today. Mm -hmm. Hands up. I'd really recommend people read them because they're um, a fantastic compilation of lots of things which have taken me literally years. Like, you know, I could yeah. save myself like, you know, absolutely ages and just read mm. your books. So, Think of it yeah. this way I had to write the book to get it all together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
but but when I say uh, so more I, traditional I, I, what, players, what is, a, what is a traditional? I guess I'll I'll need a little bit of a definition on what a traditional role player is. Do you mean like an oh. OSR player? Uh, not so much that. It's more that um, again because I've been doing this whole guild of role players things. Um, I'm coming across a lot of different schools of thought, um, and there are some people who are very much in line with this more modern improvising, shooting from the hip. Um, cohort sort of not quite troop play but getting close to it mm-hmm. improvisation which is pretty cool uh, but there are also people who are like well what I want is want backgrounds from all the players and then I'm going to weave these in around mm-hmm. the meta narrative whereas mm-hmm. as far as I can see you were in the lazy dungeon master pretty much against having that plot that sort of like uh, overarching I, would, I don't think i yeah i don't think i'd go that far um so like well, one I, of the, I, I don't know you pretty you said that you didn't that you, you wouldn't have it that's a, well it's a waste so, so of an example of, I, I mean maybe i'm not maybe i'm not fully understanding but like if you uh, are so one of the things i think you do want to put the characters front and yeah. center in the game and if they yes. have character backgrounds you definitely want to grab on those and many of your secrets and clues could be tied to the character backgrounds so uh, so there's definitely yes. you know the characters are first absolutely and step oh, one okay. so i have this eight step process that i sort of refine down in return and step one is remember you know focus on your characters like read read about yes. them read their names memorize their names and put them in your head before you do any of the rest mm. of your prep so even before the strong start of the secrets of clues or anything else and um so yeah you de- you know it's definitely i i wouldn't like i think that my the, the, the approach that i put forward does have a heavy improvisational focus but it isn't oh, the no. uh it isn't a full improv improvised group play so no, y- y- you can you can and i do like my games i, I definitely throw things to the players from time to time uh, where I'll say, like, you tell me, do they, you know, they say, well, does this person have this thing? And I go, mm. you tell me, do they have it? But many times it's, it's pretty well defined. So yeah. I think the only group that doesn't really ap- appreciate this style, and I've had a couple, are people who are really expecting you to stick to the rules that are in front of you. Mm. And, you know, there, there are people where if they're playing a mod... And I see this in organized play. I saw it in organized play. It actually kind of pushed me away from organized play. That when when players realized that you were deviating from the stuff that was in a mod, they kind of, they, they didn't appreciate that. They said, there's a mod in front of you and I, my expectation is you're playing that mod. Mm. And then when you deviate from it, even if it's for fun, now it's just, now we're just playing make-believe. Right? Yeah. Like, and and, and yeah. so I've, I've had that approach. Oh, yeah. I, I have sort of heard of that. And yeah. they're like the sort of people who say, if you're not running a published adventure, you're playing homebrew. Which yeah. for me, like yeah, actually that, hearing a, that just like blew my mind. There's a, there's like, a scale what? in there. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah like, it actually, it, it, it broke me away from, from organized play enough that like I still play all of the published adventures, but I, but I play them without any restriction yeah. on, on the, well, the I think if you, can't, if you can't bring any of your own creativity yeah, to running a published adventure, yeah. you might as well be a computer. Right. Yeah. That's what. Well, that, that, that was my mean? argument it's with not, the guy. Is I'm not a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will, yeah. you, know, you don't need me if you're I just sort of playing the mod. As someone yeah. who does run organized play, mm-hmm. it is pretty clear that you're. In, it yeah. says you're empowered to do stuff. So the guy, right? And that, and actually, the argument. And I got one guy in particular who I'm, I have in mind yeah. who who was upset <laughs> that I changed the spell <laughs> listing for yeah, one of the right. NPCs. <laughs> And he was like, that's just cheating. And I'm like, no, like, I'm empowered to change the spells that a guy has memorized, you know. So has he, has he read the adventure beforehand? Then? Yes, he actually knew exactly what was going on. He knew where all the oh, magic what? items were. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I, it's, kind of, yeah, it's a bigger problem. Yeah. But, I, but I definitely I definitely feel, and I've seen DMs, I think DMs grab onto this more than, than players do, oh. where DMs feel like if they're running a mod, they have to stick to the mod. And it takes a lot of work mm. to get them out of that idea and that they can oh. go ahead. The fun of the game is more important than the words that are written in front of you. Ooh, and I don't, I don't know that. Like that with me. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and right, with a lot of people. So yeah. Yeah, my, my, my approach definitely leans more towards the, you know, throw all the material in your head, but then let the game... Let the game happen at the table. It's not happening when it's written. You know, yeah. the, the the story is evolving as things happen at the table, and it's way more fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, what, one of my favorite things to do is if a player suggests something, even if it's completely wrong, if I think it sounds better than what's oh, yeah. in the module or what's in my head, yeah. that's yeah. what happens now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's that's fairly strong advice, really. Um, mm -hmm. So, so you've definitely advocated for yes and. Mm -hmm. um, but I can see that's been quite a problem for some DMs because if you keep going yes and, then the games can get sort yeah. of goofy. I've, I've, you, you know, know there's, there's, there's been where, where tons. Where do you stand on yes but, uh, no but, right. or right. just plain no? Yeah, I don't, I don't hang on too tightly to the yes and. I don't think every idea is mm. a good one, and and mm, I no. think that um, there's been a lot of discussion about maintaining a flex, you know, maintaining flexibility in that idea. Mm. It's worth, it's worth considering when things go sideways. I think the balance is like oh, there are yeah. DMs who are like, I have a certain way I expect this game to go and if it deviates from this at all, I'm in an uncomfortable place and I don't want to go there oh, versus okay. the we're just all throwing ideas back and forth and everything is ethereal and it turns, you, you know, the whole game gets in a weird spot that no one can figure out. So yeah. there's definitely a balance in there and that's that's our job. It's, right? it's, that's, <laughs> DMs navigating that balance is what we do. Yeah, that, that, that balance, like sort of finding the right yeah. sort of middle ground. It's a satisfyingly consistent world. Right. Yeah, the world needs to be solid, right? Like, yeah. if the world doesn't feel solid, it, it's, it's no fun. Like, people lose their connection to it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's where I think the prep is important. You know, the, the kind of prep we do is the kind of prep that makes sure that the world that is going to get built is still not built yet till it happens at the table. But the world that's mm. going to be built, we have we have a foundation of how that thing is going to remain solid, yeah. and it's going to feel it's going to feel realistic. Just wanted yeah, to quickly mention, just for listeners who don't actually know, um, yeah. we're talking about because um, I'm not sure if we said the titles of the books or not. Sure. Uh, we're talking about two <laughs> books that uh, Mike's written. One is called uh, The Lazy Dungeon Master, yep. and the other is called The Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. Right. And you can get yeah. them both. You can get them both online in various you can. places. Yeah, but yeah. if you don't oh, have yeah. either, I'd suggest getting Return. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna yeah. get you're gonna get just about everything. Yeah, I just wasn't sure whether we'd actually mentioned that at the beginning of the conversation or not so yeah. some people I, might have been listening thinking what are they talking about yeah what, I, what? I, 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 did, I did say that um, like 2016 was really just but it, it's yeah. worthwhile checking because I do sometimes go off and on and don't necessarily fill in the bits in between <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and one of the things I particularly liked about the books was uh, the emphasis on reskinning monsters um, yeah. I think reskinning mm -hmm. things is just yep. like yep. It, it's got to be done because yeah yeah like there, there will have been some level of someone will at least have checked it out to make sure the maths mm. works. And if you have to spend hours and hours making your own, it's like, well, I could, or I could just take yeah. these fellas here yeah. and change them around a bit, yeah. and that works nicely. And, and especially the, if you're playing a more heavy game like Pathfinder or something. Yeah, like well, the interest, right? So the interesting thing I was reading oh, yeah. one of the books where I was reading about uh, reskinning was Starfinder, right? Like, mm. I mean, I kind of oh. knew about reskinning, but I was sort of again, I was doing that. I was reading everything, so I read the Starfinder. Mm you know uh, uh their 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 rpg and they describe reskinning in there so i'm like man every yeah. one of these systems describes it in their core books you know mm -hmm. uh, D, D does it star pathfinder does it starfinder oh. does it you know lot, yeah. lots of them talk about the value of reskinning and um mm. yeah it's a really it's it's a, it's, it's a, a really super powerful, powerful tool. tool isn't it yeah. it's really yeah. really useful and you can do it everywhere reskinning spells is another really fun thing to do it's a yeah. it's a way to make magic feel really wild yeah. oh yeah well you just change Especially the flavor just, all you do is change the flavor and the, and the mechanics yeah. are the same yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I read, I think it might have been on the Monsters Know or something. Um, mm -hmm. It was 
it describes a lot of like NPCs like bandit captains yep. and arc mages yep. and druids yep. as humanoids. Yep. I was like, well, you know what's also humanoids? Orcs are humanoids. Yeah, Gnolls sure. are humanoids. I'm like, yeah, yeah, mind yeah. blown. Yeah. Like, oh, that's so yeah. brilliant. It's, it's really obvious. It's right there. There's no, there's no insistence that these are humans, but everyone yeah. always ends up doing them humans because that's what yeah, they are. Yeah, and you can do that. Know. You can kind of do that with any two monsters too. Like I, I made yeah. a stone giant lich, you know, and I just took the stone giant nice. and the lich and mashed them together and, and picked yeah. the, be- the best yeah. attributes from both. And I had this great, you know, really that, great monster. What, what that kind of is, is a much easier version of the old sort of template system. Yeah, right. Right. Mm. Every, but, every monster is a, a template more, for a any other simple. monster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember having to try and use the template system. That was quite... Quite a bit of effort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I haven't done that in years, but I don't know. I suppose it depends on the template. Some of them are pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Some of them are literally just adding ability and. Yeah, and if you, yeah, I think if you, if duck. you're, if you're flexible yeah. with it, the ability to take like the archmage template and add it to a dragon, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, now I have a drag, a draconic archmage. Yes, you exactly. know, and, yeah. and it's not yeah. really you just as long as you're willing to flip through two stat blocks while you're running it, you don't need to do anything. Like you don't have to yeah. sit and write right. anything down. You don't. You can just kind of pick the attributes that that fit the most yeah. you know yeah tr- tr- tricky to sort out the challenge rating but i think it's pretty much an open secret the challenge rating is oh I, yeah, it's, oh, yeah right. don't worry about <laughs> it <laughs> it's, it's somebody's best punt at it as far as i can yeah. make out you should yeah. probably not start mashing monsters together until you're comfortable understanding what your group can handle yeah is the different groups uh Different levels of optimization, different right. levels of yep. skill. Well, yep. skill is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Yep. Different levels of combat. Yeah, synergy. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 And or, like or optimization for yeah. combat. Yeah, yep. like, yeah. Um, all kinds I of things. Yeah, and they, they have a way bigger play game. And there was a rogue sitting next to me, and he's taken his prof- his first level proficiency in knowledge religion, and he's done yeah. intelligence. I'm like, hmm, yes, yep. that is a legitimate yeah. thing to do. Yeah. I would not do that. Yeah. But I'm glad that you did. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it's a problem when you've got a group that you've had for a long time and you know you you really know them and you know their characters, you know their capabilities and stuff, and you mm-hmm. you become very good at on the fly throwing things at them, knowing exactly what they can handle. Mm-hmm. But I imagine with a new group or a starting group or in an organised play situation, that could be a lot more difficult. Yep. Mm, yep. Tricky. Yeah. Um, yeah with with organised play, part of the charm is that it. Uh, gives you guidelines on how to adjust for the average party mm-hmm. level, mm-hmm. but yeah, for if you're just doing a pickup game at a convention, you'd probably want to have it all sorted out. Yeah, well, have you, the, have the other you thing is you can play the improvised games at conventions. Yeah, there there are some dials that you can kind of keep your hands on while you're running combat. Mm. So like monster hit points, mm. you can you can move those up and down while it's happening. Mm. And if you're yeah, like, wow, but- these guys are all getting killed, I'm going to lower my hit points on these monsters a bit so that when they hit them they will kill them faster <laughs> you know, mm. or vice versa wow they're having a really easy time with this guy maybe this orc is beefier than the standard orc yeah you i've know. got a dirty secret that sometimes i've ignored stats completely yeah right just, lots of, I, think, I think lots of maybe, people maybe what i need to happen happen yeah. i did it i did a survey on that and it turns out most dms cheat so oh, that's good, <laughs> well yeah it's, it's 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 something that can be very 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 make players really angry like i've done well, you better not let him know. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 that's lucky. I'm sure nobody ever listens to this podcast. I'll be fine. Oh, some of the advice um, in Return of the Ladies Dungeon Master, which I think is good advice, which I use myself, is things like give the players, tell the players what the monster's defenses are, like what yep. their AC is. It's like, yeah, that's yep. a good idea. It's a little dirty um, trick. Yeah. Ha- get the players to track the monster's uh, hit points and stuff. And again, mm-hmm. absolutely fine with that. Like, 
use the standard damage for monsters. I'm like nodding along like my own little Churchill mm-hmm. dog here saying, yeah, yeah, that sounds, that sounds really good. That's what I do. Because I, I double it for a critical, which means my crits are slightly tougher than they should be. But I can't be yeah. calculating, do you know what I mean? I've, I've had monsters um, that crit on every hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, the big question is, where do you roll your dice? Do you have a screen? I don't, yeah. No, so don't I, I, roll, I, I don't roll monster damage. Um, but I roll. No, but do you, I roll do you roll your deep? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you roll? But where do you roll? Do you roll behind the screen? Do you roll in front of the screen? No, do I roll in front. Of everybody, everybody sees my rolls. Yeah, I, oh, I nice, roll in the open. Nice. Yeah, it, 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 it's, that's going to make changing the rules on the fly a little bit. Difficult. It is, but you, there's like a lot it. of other variables that you can cheat on <laughs> that, besides that die roll. Yeah. Well, don't yeah. tell us. So, uh, otherwise, give away all my yeah. tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Mike, you've got you've got a Kickstarter running. I do. Yes, you do. Which yes. is uh, the big reason for being here today. Yeah. Um, so I need you to tell me something. What is a Grendel root, and where can I find one? So you can yeah. find one in that mountain. There is only uh-huh. the one. The and black. I, I will give you. I will claw. give you two answers. The mountain is called Black Claw. It is the the center. Mm. Sounds like a nice holiday destination. It though. is actually. It's actually a very nice place. Uh, if you go there, there's a there's a. Um, so it, yeah, the whole book surrounds ten adventures that take place inside this one mountain, mm-hmm. and they surround a uh, an outpost inside the mountain called Deep Delver's Enclave, which is actually a very nice place to go and hang out. And there's lots of other adventures Ooh. that hang out there, and everybody just loves exploring this mountain and discovering crazy things. One of those mm-hmm. crazy things is a uh, otherworldly sentience called the Grendel Root, and mm-hmm. the physical manifestation of this Grendel Root are these huge unbreakable black metal spikes that are sticking out through just about everything in the mountain. So they, mm. they can stand anywhere from four or five feet tall to 20 or 30 feet tall. Mm. Uh, most of the time they appear to be like a big claw or a thorn, but sometimes they might actually grow into other weird organic shapes like a tree or uh, mm. even there's one area that has a fern grove made out of this stuff, yeah. um, but it cannot be broken. Like, you know, if you, if you fall on top of one of these ferns, you will be diced to ribbons before that fern will bend yeah Um, and they're all connected to this sentience that is conscious Mm. and and people can kind of tell it's conscious but they don't exactly know what it wants or what it's doing and it may Mm -hmm. not know what it wants or what it's doing Uh, but i largely left the direct origin of the grendel root open so that dms can decide is it a is it a a child inside of an alien seed is it a demon that has gone crazy wild so you put Um, like a, a a default kind of background for it and then said if you haven't got a better idea use this that's what i but did i have use a your own one. idea that's, that's exactly yeah. i start with use your own idea but if you don't want to come yeah. up with one here is one yeah and, and yeah, the, exactly. uh, the the preview there's a there's a 20 page preview pdf on the kickstarter has yes. a whole section on it called what is the grendel root because yeah that's a common question <laughs> <laughs> yes it is it's really cool. yeah i mean i was wondering how someone who's famed for really advocating for improvised play is going to like do pre-written adventures i'm a pretty i'm a big proponent for running published adventures overall and the reason okay. why is because if you think about like uh, to me it's economics how much mm. money did it cost wizards of the coast to make uh storm king's thunder right mm-hmm. and how much are you paying to buy it and compare mm. the ratio of those two things and the amount okay. of the amount like you cannot pay you, you know, I don't know, maybe you can, you could be independently wealthy, but if you, you know, you could not spend enough money probably to make a product like that for your own home game, right? <laughs> but you can go buy it and you have all that artwork and all the maps and all the playtesting and all the design and all the editing that went into this published adventure. So I, I think that there's a tremendous value 
in taking a published adventure, but like we've been talking about, then twisting it to your own evil purposes, right? Like no one, don't, you, we don't run them as is. So like my, I'm running um, Waterdeep Dragon Heist and mine is completely off the rails. You know, I told them yesterday, I like, I told them, hey, you guys are now level six. And two of the other DMs in my group are like, I thought this adventure ends at five. And I'm like, not this one, right? <laughs> and they're like, wow. So, you know, but I'm, yeah. you, like, I'm squeezing as much as I can out of that book because a, a lot of production value went oh, into it so yeah. why not use it so yeah with, <laughs> with ruins of the grendel root the philosophy really has been because i've been spending so much time thinking about how to make dm's lives easier what is yeah. the heavy lifting that i can do for dm's in this book to make mm -hmm. it as okay. easy as possible for them to prepare and run it um so a lot of the like, again i have those like eight steps in in return and i don't just fill the out the outline locations as well yeah, yeah right yeah. so well that and that's a hard one right like if you don't have those locations like thinking up seven i'm doing it for my shadow of the demon lord game right like what are the seven to nine interesting locations that they might discover while they're exploring and i gotta sit and think and i gotta you know look through artwork and think about movies i've seen and think about books and kind of mash ideas together until i have them or i could get a published adventure and there's my seven to nine fantastic locations right so like ruins of the grendel root obviously focuses heavily on location on, on location stuff there's mm -hmm. art you know like like professional artwork from jack kaiser that you know shows these 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 you know shows these locations in detail there's maps by elven tower that that really give you a nice big full color map of the area and that's because like you're probably not going to go pay elven tower to make a map for your home game but, you know, here you can buy a book, you know, for 15 bucks and you have the full, uh, uh, you have all the maps done for you, right? So, so that, that figuring out how to do the heavy lifting for a DM is what this book is about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, do you, so you, you take your own advice from your previous two books and you incorporate it into yeah, the design absolutely. of the adventures. Yeah. So. And, the, and the outline of the adventures will be familiar to people who know yeah. what return is. Only the hard parts are filled out. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is what? Ten adventures. Yep. Levels one to five, yep. all centered around a central community from which you branch out yep. into yep. different adventures in different directions. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And you can so, play any of the ten in, in pretty much any order. So they're they're designed to be you know, they're designed to be played as a one shot adventure if you just want to go to a convention and run a single session and you get to pick yeah. which one you want. Uh, we we put together uh, so James James Intercasso um, designed the or did the development for a set of pre gen characters that are built on 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 the the SRD built on on five E's you know system yeah that you can level from one to five right on the sheet they were they were designed mm -hmm. by a fellow named Eric Nowak so we have this like sixty page character sheet I think 40, 40 or sixty page I think it's a sixty page mm -hmm. bundle of pre gen characters. Oof that level nice. from one to five right on the sheet, which means you can yeah. play any oh. of these with a pre-gen and they're ready to go. Uh, but then they can also be played in a series. So there, there's actually like a <laughs> mini campaign that, that mm. where five of these adventures are sort of tied together. They don't have to mm. be, but there's like a central theme to it, which is what the hell yeah. is a Grendel Root is sort of that theme. Sure. Uh, so do, you, do, you have a, do you have a favorite, uh, these 10 adventures? Oh man, I don't. I don't. Is it like choosing? Yeah, it really is. It? It's like Sophie's it's, choice. Um, yeah. I, I do. Uh, <laughs> I, I have one that I really like, and it's because it ties to the. I did another book of, of adventures called Fantastic Adventures, uh, yeah. which I did a couple of years ago, and there's an adventure in there that was kind of my favorite called Gloom, in which uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of you know it's kind of based on John Wick. There's this mm -hmm. female priestess who has been working at this monastery as just like a low-level priestess for like, you know, 50 years. And some pain-in-the-ass noble kids come and pee in the pool. And uh, she gets so uh, mad that she goes and digs up this box in the back. And it turns out she's this like king-slaying assassin. 
and now she's going to like murder these kids because you know she she really hates nobility period and <laughs> so the, the party has to go like stop her before she manages to wipe out this whole group so in this one one of the central npcs in that adventure is a uh, the sheriff of the town named ruth willowmane and i mm. moved her she retired as the sheriff and moved to deep delver's enclave but now the two br- uh, the, the two other assassins that were part of the same assassins group are now coming to grendel root to hunt her down and mm. it's sort of a tower defense adventure because the, the assassins mm. are actual 5e assassins they're cr7 they'll they'll hit you for 42 points of damage if they hit you and you know you're third level or fourth level so you're you're not going to stand up to them so you have to lure them to this monster's graveyard and then use the remnants of this graveyard against the assassins before they come and kill you so So you have to you have to go a team on them yeah yeah yeah. and and it's and it's kind of like first you have to figure out like what's this place and then you figure out how do we set this place up to go kill those assassins and yeah, it's a fun. I think it, I ran it once, and I, it was a fun structure to the adventure. So yeah. that's probably favorite. Is I'm still having a hard time saying favorite, but that's that's a memorable <laughs> one that I that I've really enjoyed. So on your on your Kickstarter, you've got a massive massive preview there. I do. Yeah, the first adventure. Uh, I always want to lean towards the man. I gave away too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was reading through it yesterday, and it took quite a while because you've given away quite a lot there. So you've got the first adventure mm-hmm. and the whole introduction to yep. the. Uh, yep to the book and it's still a little less than i would have liked to give because i would have loved to add the detail for enclave chapter as well yeah but that's really a lot <laughs> like, yeah yeah you know here's the whole city people, as well or the whole, yeah. the whole people, town people, people need to buy something yeah right yeah. right like, wow <laughs> but i but i do I, you know more so than just you know shilling my own work i really wanted to give something out there where yeah. you know you can grab the basic rules in this and play D. And, mm, and again, mm. like, you know, I, a, a, a fair amount of effort went into this. You know, Scott Fitzgerald Gray, who's an editor for Wizards of the Coast, is doing all the editing for this. So mm. when you get this free adventure, you're getting something that I consider to be as, as, as good as anything out there that you would yeah, pay for. Yeah. You know, but I want people to have that opportunity to be able to play it for free. Mm. So that was yeah. important. And then hopefully they yeah. play it and they love it. And then they want to, you know, they want nine more. Uh, well, hopefully, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I must say, I also really do like your artwork as well. It's um, very pleasing to my eye. Yeah, so I have, I have two artists for this. Uh, Jack Kaiser, who has done a lot of work for Shadow of the Demon Lord and, and, and work mm. for other groups. And I, I just mm. fell in love with his location art. I think he has a really great yeah. style. Uh, the back yeah. cover, I don't know if you saw the back cover, has like the two, the oh, two yeah. adventurers hanging out, having a, having a coffee, and behind them is this crazy tower. Yeah, um, yeah, right. He did that. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jack is doing uh, a central location piece for every one of the ten adventures, and then mm. Brian Syme, who's a um, artist that has done a lot of work for Cobalt Press, mm-hmm. uh, is doing a lot of the character art. So, we, I think we've got yeah. about twenty pieces of character art that we're throwing in here. So, a lot of yeah. art. And um, yeah. Mark Radel is the art director for the book, and Mark Mark is also the art director for all the Cobalt Press books. Mm. So I, mm. I I had this dirty trick of like I looked at Cobalt Press's stuff, and I'm like, you know, I would love to be able to make something that looks like theirs. And then I hired their <laughs> art director and their <laughs> a couple of their artists. So well, that's that's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, like that. So the, yeah, the the, the the art direction and the design is all done by Mark Radel, and then Scott Gray is doing the editing and the layout. Um, mm. so yeah, it's going to be pretty great. And we've, we're pretty far underway too. Like of the maps, I have seven of the 11 maps already done. Um, we, all of the writing is done. Well, so almost all of the writing is done. I haven't yet written the stretch goal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm about halfway through, well, a little bit more than halfway through one of them, but I'm, I want to make sure we get to the stretch goals before I write 
12,000 yeah. words. <laughs> I might end up writing it anyway because it's, it's so ingrained in my head. I don't know if I can not write it. Um, mm. But I'm like, I better focus my attention on the stuff I know I'm going to be delivering before I start spending a lot of effort on the stuff that I don't know that will get delivered. Yeah. So, um, but what I, one, one thing I do like about this is um, you lean quite heavily into having fun. I mean, you think at first from the name of it, uh, right. maybe with the places called Blacklaw and all this sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Like, my first impression was it was going to be quite dark. Right. But it's oh, not. No. It's kind of leaning into fun and fantasy, isn't yes, it? More that's, so. That's, that, that, the, the, the wonder and excitement of discovering, you know, of discovery mm. and exploration and, and, dis- and, and uncovering mysteries is really the theme that I'm going for. It should be a, yeah. fun, should be a fun place to go. There's a lot of dark stuff that happens, but, you yeah. know. But you mentioned in there that all these different locations are places where the PCs should want to go to. I would mm. hope, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then... Yeah. I, I I was thinking about this morning because it's it's a little it's a little tough in in sort of pacing, but part of it is I I sort of want and I, I had this in a, I ran a playtest of it over the weekend, where even after they beat the final boss, they're still like, well, we didn't go to that other place, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you kind of want that, but then you're also like, well, what's the pacing when you've already beaten the boss, and now you're kind of you know discovering other things, you kind of like yeah. how do you keep that beat going. Um, mm. but that is something, that is something that I want to, uh, you know, there's a lot of little cool nooks and crannies in this that mm-hmm. I, I hope people will find, uh, even though there are central arcs to each of the, each of the yeah. adventures. Yeah. Uh, so you're coming up on $20,000 already. Yeah. We're, with, we crossed uh, one stretch goal. Right, right. We crossed one stretch goal already. My minimum amount for this one was much higher than it was for Fantastic Adventures and, and Return. Oh. Because mm-hmm. with those books, I had no idea if I was going to, fund and i didn't know like you know even with return did really really well i had no idea if anybody cared i was like well the old book sold well but i don't know that people are into this now you know so i I was like well i'll do black and white art and i'll you know it'll be much smaller and and maybe i won't do any art right and and that so i was able to like have a lower minimum but with this one i was like well i I had the old fantastic adventures and i was like okay well it made twenty eight thousand. i doubt this one's going to make you know significantly less so what mm. will it cost for me to do the, the best version of this book and, and, mm. and, you know, and let me draw the line there. And that's why mm. the, the, the minimum amount was 15000 for this one. Um, mm. but, we did, but we did meet it. And, and now, yeah, I think probably every, every 2000 we're going to do another stretch goal. And we got a bunch of stretch goals lined Ooh. up. You know, yeah, James, nice. James Unicasso is going to do a couple backgrounds for it. And I've got at least, I think, three extra chapters that I want to add. That's like how... Um, you know, one thing I, I fell in love with, I was reading uh, the Saltmarsh book, and I yeah. really mm-hmm. love that the that, that Ghost of Saltmarsh includes these sort of high level things that you could do after you finish the adventures that are in there. Yeah. So, okay. and I, I was like, you know, what I would love is I want to write a chapter that and give you enough tools in this book that after you're done and you're level six, you can run a level 20 campaign here if you want, mm-hmm. you know, and it won't, it won't give you everything. Like it's not adventure by adventure, but it will give you the whole arc. On and and um, you know, hopefully, fill your head with ideas on how yeah. you could run an entire one to twenty campaign in, in one mountain. I don't know that people will do it, but mm. you know, I I know I enjoyed reading it for Salt Marsh, even mm. though I might not run a twentieth level adventure in in in, yeah. in that area. Well, we should probably think about wrapping up. <laughs> yes, yes. Yep. Thank awesome. you so much for coming on. It's yeah, been, no, it's like, great. It's great to, to be here. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mike. Next really time I'll do I'll, I'll I'll do much better on the. Kickstarter, guess a Kickstarter. <laughs> I'll do some practicing. 
Oh, absolutely, uh, and it's uh, what's it? Ruin, ruins of the Grendel Root. Ruins of the Grendel Root. Yeah, if you if you yeah, search for that. Grendel Root, G R E N D L E R O O T, you will find it on Kickstarter. We will have a link in the show notes awesome. anyway, so anyone who wants to find it should be able to jump straight there. Great. Awesome. Right then. So thank you so much for coming on. It has been a blast. Yes, thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you on Twitter very soon. Probably. Probably in a few minutes. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If people want to follow you on Twitter, Mike, what, what's, oh, uh, what's your Sly Twitter Flourish. handle? Yeah. Sly Flourish. Sly Flourish. Oh, yeah. I didn't Sly need Flourish. to ask you, actually. The yeah. name, Sly yeah. Flourish. Where yeah. does that come from? So it's oh. a fourth edition rogue power mm-hmm. uh, called Sly oh. Flourish. And I was looking for domain names. And I was just kind of putting in every possible combination of things I could find because I was writing about 4th <laughs> yeah. edition D&D at the time. And yeah. I picked that. And I probably, you know, it's one of those where like, well, I guess I'm stuck with it now, right? Like I've been doing using it for 10 years. Hey, it um, works. Yeah. It's so. catchy. People know it. <laughs> I, yeah. So. so thank you everybody for listening. It has been a pleasure as always. Uh, next week we have Mike Myler who's going to come on and talk about a touch more class amongst other things but until then it's goodbye from me Russ it's goodbye from me Peace Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players and goodbye from me Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com <laughs>